Hello, my loves. I'm Carly Deering, and this is Tea with Kings and Queens, the podcast where I chat to the most exciting he, she's and they's from the world of drag, burlesque and cabaret. Today's episode is my very first in-person interview for the pod, and it's with a true theatrical great of the UK stage, writer, director, actor and grand panto dame Mark Two. Mark has been starring in Panto since the mid-1970s and most recently has been bringing his warmth, comedy and fabulous frocks to the production of Jack and the Beanstalk, currently on at the Epstein Theatre in Liverpool. I was fortunate to catch up with Mark between shows to hear about his life as a Panto dame and extraordinary career so far. Enjoy. We're at the Epstein Theatre with the legendary actor, writer, director, panto dame, Mark II. Welcome to my boudoir. (laughs) We are here in the stunning backstage area. I'm surrounded by the most gorgeous costumes you could ever imagine. Um, Tell me about the show. We're sort of halfway through the run of Jack and the Beanstalk here in Liverpool. How's it going? It's going absolutely fabulous. The audiences are brilliant. They're lovely. And and, uh, I get the, the idea that if they don't like you, they will tell you. And if they like you, they really let you know. And we are having a ball because it's aimed at the Liverpool audience. So it's very Liverpoolian because the two main guys, which is Lewis and Tim, um, they they are Liverpoolians anyway, and they're incredible actors and um, very young. I'm very old and I'm keeping up with them. (laughs) But to keep up with them, I have to run at a million miles an hour. And uh, so, so you know, I, I've got two fabulous people who dress me and I get one rips my clothes off and the other one throws them on and I go <laughs> running on stage. And um, I do special things for the audience. Um, I draw them into my gang. And, and, but I think it's, it's really important that, that a dame should be older so that it's acceptable to be a mother and we like when I talk to the women in the audience, you know, it's, it's, I sort of, I look into all the women's eyes and they've got this smile on the face because I'm a mumsy character and, and they know what it's like. They're all sat there with their kids and I'm talking about my kids on stage, uh, who are real little kids sometimes, you know, and need to clip around the ear. And, um, but it's so much fun to be playing uh, this particular character in this show. It's a really pacey, fast-moving show. And if anybody out there hasn't seen it, you need to get to see it because it's definitely Liverpudlian. It's the fastest and paciest show that I've ever been in. And it's really great. It's really modern um, and it is a family show, but obviously your character, Dame Dolly Trot, is there to add a bit of cheekiness as well. There's lots of layers to her, aren't there? I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I, I, as like I was saying before, that uh, a lot of pantomimes are going down the drag route for the Panto Dame um, because of RuPaul's Drag Race and things like this, you know. But a 23-year-old boy who's who's made up in drag, I, in my opinion, isn't acceptable as a, a mumsy character. You've got to have lived. The audience have got to know you've lived. You've got to have these wrinkles. The audience see them and know that I've lived and been through a lot. And boy, have I been through a lot. Um, and I've got my own kids as well, of course. So, so I can relate on to how to react to, to the two lads on stage who are both my sons. You know, one is um, Jack, 
Jack Trotty's the one who climbs the beanstalk, and then the other one is Simple Simon. Um, as I say, both incredible actors and both Liverpudlian. And so, so I, I put the more English side to it because I haven't got a Liverpool accent, but I've got two <laughs> Liverpudlian sons, so that's quite funny in itself. <laughs> Tell me about when you first started as a Dane, because this isn't your first experience as a Dane. No, I've been about a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been about a bit, yeah. Well, as I say, I was touring um, with my family production um, show, which is like fantastic, a great big ultraviolet show. And there's little bits of it in this show. I've, I've, I've got a little scene in there inside the um, giant's kitchen, a giant tea set, etc., where things come alive when everything else goes wrong. It's really wrong. incredible. It's really incredible. Oh, did you like that? It's yeah. something I've not seen before in Panto, so that's... Uh... Well, do you know what? Ultraviolet was the first ever speciality in theatre, going back to the beginning of, of last century. And, and it seems to have been forgotten now because yeah. people have got lasers and films and everything. But the f kids love it because it's magic. Yeah. It's just giant puppets come to life and and move themselves so so but i digress we were talking about me as day yeah so so we were touring with 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 my show which i still do and um we do holiday parks and things like that and flamingo land and all, all massive places and um i got a phone call from my agent and he said you know jim davidson wants you to play ugly sister in one of his pantomimes and i was horrified because at the time i was um a a, a principal comic played Buttons, Idle Jack, Simple Simon. Before that, I'd played the double roles of Captain and Mate. I've done almost every role, comedy-wise. Um, and uh, I was horrified, and I said, no, I'm not going to go into a frock. You know, I, I'm, I'm a young comic. <laughs> anyway, so I put the phone down, and my wife and daughter were listening as we were travelling, and they said, well, why aren't you doing it? I said, I just feel that you know, I haven't got the experience of that. They said, don't be ridiculous, you've been in the business all this time, you've worked with all these famous people and, and um, dames and sisters, etc. You know what the business is all about, of course you can do it, and we'll help you make your frocks. If you have your own frocks, you'll feel safe. So uh, I phoned my agent back and I said, yes, I'll do it, providing I can make my own frocks and, and wear all my own gear. And, and my own props as well. And he said, yes, I've just told Jim that, and he's agreed. Uh, so that's how well he knew me. He knew I would do it in the end, once I got talked around by, by my daughter especially, you know. The costumes are phenomenal. They're one of my favourite parts of the show. Apart from the fact that your character is so warm and there's a lovely feeling in the auditorium as soon as you come out on stage that first time. Um, do you still make them yourself? Yeah, yeah, uh, um, most of them. I mean, obviously, from, from Ugly Sister, I developed and went on to become a dame and ended up writing, directing and um, appearing in the shows. So, so I developed into a dame as I got older. And, um, uh, yeah, I made all, all of these costumes with my wife and daughter. And uh, I had a couple made um, by other people. Um, over in Thailand, my finale dress, oh, I had that made in Thailand. That's something else. But I made all the wings and everything that goes with it and the headgear. There's a headgear there, look, you see. So oh, so no. everything to me has to be big, massive and outrageous, which which I'm not, of course. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of <laughs> a little wallflower sat of in the corner. Of <laughs> course. 
So when you were first starting out as a dame or in the Ugly Sister route then, who did you take as your influences? I mean, you've worked with Danny LaRue and some of the real greats in the you know Palladium. What I work, and... Yeah, yeah, I've been on the Palladium three times. I worked with Danny LaRue at Croydon in his last ever pantomime. And Danny, uh, I was an ugly sister in that show, and Danny was the fairy godmother. And I just watch people on stage, you know, all the stars, and I've worked with, I've worked with so many um, that, that I've been supporting, and, and I just watch them work, and I'm in awe of them, especially the theatrical ones, you know. I worked with Ron Moody, mm. you know, from Oliver, mm. on the Victoria Palace many, many years ago. That was in the 70s, and it was one of these big charity concerts where all the stars were there I was the only person on the bill that I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they asked me to do it but anyway we did our show and uh, I stood on the stage watching the whole show and Ron Moody came on and I just uh, I'd always been a fan of his but I just watched him work and watched him sing and he sang this song and I remember the song it was called When You Walk Upon a Stage and I watched him sing it, and after that moment, that changed my whole thinking of how to sing in pantomime. Because so many people, you must have been to so many shows where people are a character, and then they start singing, and the voice doesn't match, because they're singing in their own voice, you see. Well, to me, a song in pantomime is, is an extension of the script just put to music. And so it's talked in character and sang in character, so that it carries on and the people can still believe it. But if you come out of character, the people then stop believing what you're doing. The people need to believe that I'm a dame. And, and a lot of the kids do, you know. But the mums and dads, I've got that glint in my eye and, and I've got that eye contact with them. And they know what's going on. And we have the, obviously, innuendos, etc. And we have so much fun. And I just love being on stage. That's where I light up and live. You can just tell. It's so... <laughs> It's been packed when I've seen it. I've been lucky enough to see it twice. Why do you think Panto is still so relevant? It's still relevant because, let's face it, there's so much rubbish and horrible stuff going on in the world. We need a laugh. We need to have a bit of fun. And pantomime is a real bit of fun. You can get away for two and a half hours, escape into our crazy world. And it is a crazy world. Mm. We're telling a fairy story, but it's silly. And, and the traditions need to keep remaining. Drag has become incredibly fashionable again and popular. Do you watch Drag Race? Do you engage with it? Or do you see what you do as something very separate? Do you know what? I've never watched a full programme of it. Hmm. Seriously. Because um, I'm I'm theatre. Yeah. Through and through yeah. based. And, and I see them doing their thing and that's fine. That's what they do. I'm not really interested in it. Although I've got a lot of friends that, that do drag, obviously. Uh, I've got a lot of friends that play traditional dames. Um, and uh, as I say, to me, it's just got to be traditional because that's what makes it work. You know, in, in, in as you say, I've got two incredible performers at the side of me, plus all the others in the show, of course. Um, but uh, we're mainly on stage together all the time, me and my two sons. And, and the difference, I'm the stability among them. 
you know, they're nutcases running right. Yes. And I have to keep pulling them back. <laughs> it's the most energetic show I've ever seen, I have to say. It's the most energetic show I've ever been in. And it's wonderful. I'm thinking at my age that I'm able to play at this speed. So I'm feeling quite good about it. <laughs> and you're doing two shows a day as well. And two shows a day most days, yeah, yeah. So, so no, it's, it's absolutely fabulous. And the theatre, you know, you've got to keep buildings like this open. They're beautiful. And all the people coming in that haven't been before. I mean, here, they haven't had an Easter pantomime, I don't think, before. No, it's brand new. And the people are coming in. The place is full of people that have never been in this theatre before. And they're going, what a lovely place. And it is. It's steeped in history and, and you know, absolutely phenomenal. Also, post-Covid, it's such a joyous thing to do. Um, what was lockdown like for you as a creative person? Dreadful. Dreadful. Um... I did lots of radio broadcasts. People kept getting me on because I had my injection um, at first and, and I wrote an article in the newspaper and, and they got me on the radios to talk about it because it was really emotional because mm. we all thought, uh, thought we were going to die. Mm. And um, so, so I had my injection and, and had all these interviews and then other people heard me and I did a, a couple of tellies about it. Were you and one of the first then to have it done? I was one of the first to have the forward. injection in, right. in, in my area. Right. Um, you know, I was fairly near the beginning and we'd got this massive centre. They took over the theatre where, where I'd been the year before and, and it was incredible. But uh, so, so things went on and... Um, I was in lockdown, but suddenly out of the blue, I got a call. Um, it was about the October by somebody who'd worked with me years ago. And they said, uh, um, are you still doing your ultraviolet show? Well, I actually hadn't toured with it for quite a few years. And I said, yeah, why? They said, we want you to come and do four days. And they said, we need four days because of COVID. The audience has got to be smaller. Um, so we're going to put a quarter of the audience in each each show. If you come for four days, we'll we'll give you uh, put you up for four days, do four shows, and and pay you a nice amount of money. So I said, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. We'll do that. And I thought, oh blimey! So we had to get all the puppets out, redo them all, get them all ready. These, these are huge things. Yes. Aren't they? They're incredible. And they, well, I, as I say, they'd sat there for like four or five years doing nothing. So I had to dust them all down, get them all ready, re-edit the music and bring it up to date. Started that and from there I phoned people and suddenly we got other things. But I lost three pantomimes over lockdown. Mm. I was booked for the first one um, and the, the company said, no, we're going to call it now and this was about in June. Mm. So then I got offered another one. I thought, brilliant. And then <laughs> two months later, that one fell through. And then Gandhi's Circus rang me and they said, we want to put you in a pantomime and we'd like you to write it. So brilliant, lovely, because I'd done circus before. I ran yes. away when I was younger. I ran away and joined the circus. And uh, Have you written your autobiography? I think no, that needs I to be done. <laughs> you, you could help me write yeah. it, I suppose. Because there you I, go, it's on tape now. <laughs> yeah, I forget all of these things, you see. But I did, I ran away. Well, I was out of work one summer. You know what this business is like. Mm. Self-employed. I've been self-employed in this business since I was 18. Um, and when we don't work, we don't get paid. We don't get sick pay. We don't get holiday pay. When I when I go on holiday, I'm not earning money. So, so we have to work for everything that we get, you know. And um, so, so Gandhi said, yeah, we'd like you to do this. So... I wrote this show for them, 
and got everything sorted, had all the meetings, it was going to be fabulous, you know. My face it was on all of the posters, like 10 foot high, they got all these big billboards, and I was so excited about it, and a week before we were due to open, they pulled the plug, the council pulled the plug and said, no, we can't do it, and I thought it was going to be safe, obviously, with the tent, because mm -hmm. they could have all the sides open and socially distant. Yeah. So that fell through, so I lost that. Uh, so I was gutted, but then I started, and I also work in residential homes as well, and I do production shows with my daughter. So it's absolutely fabulous. When I'm not in pantomime, I'm working with my daughter every day of the week. So like I finish here on Sunday, and on Monday morning, um, she's coming round, we unload all my frocks, put put a whole load of new gear in, and we go out and we're doing a coming out of lockdown rock and roll party show. Um, and we do 24 different production shows where uh, we do remembrance shows where I dress in Army, Navy, Air Force uniforms and do bits on Dad's Army and it ain't our fault, Mum. We've got a big show coming up soon for the Queen's uh, Platinum Jubilee um, where uh, I'm going to be Prince Charles and she's going to be Camilla. And, <laughs> in and, a very respectful way, I'm sure. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and we, t we get them all waving flags and it's all very patriotic, it's going to be, you know, and Land of Open Glory and they'll always be in England and all things like that. So my, my work life is very varied and I'm just working solid all the time, but I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. People say, you should retire, you don't need to work. I need to work for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's such a fantastic way of, after the last few years to be here. You know, sat with you in person and also around all of the costumes as well. But there is this great video you've put on your website of what you got up to in lockdown, which is you dressed as a dame and doing a song. Oh, my song. So oh, have just, you seen yeah, that? Yeah, you didn't just sit at home doing nothing. Well, Did yeah, I, 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 was, I was bored and I was missing. I was missing <laughs> putting my makeup on and me panto dame. Yeah, 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 so I, I was missing so it, nice. so I thought, do you know what, because of all my friends, and they're all the same, we're all the same, i got so many showbiz friends, and we're all gutted, obviously, yeah. you know, and uh, so I thought I'd put that on to amuse them, so it's a it's little great. song I wrote about food, it was my cooking one, wasn't it's it? It's great, yeah. and it's still on your website, so I'll put, oh, a, link, is it? I'll put a link to your website, we'll link to my website on, yeah. on the podcast details so people can have a look. <laughs> I could talk to you forever, but I'm aware you need to get ready for your lunchtime Well, I've got to start putting my slap on in a minute, the slap is makeup of course. Yes, and, how um, long does that process take you, because it's a Well, I normally look. start about an hour and a half before. And, um, you know, I sort of, sort of start by putting the bass on, etc. And then I walk about and then I, the cast will be arriving soon. So I have to go and talk to them and of we course. start and have a chat and see what they've been doing. And uh, then so I do a bit more and a bit more. So that the process sort of normally takes over an hour and a half. But that's getting me into the character. Mm. So by the time I've got my makeup on, you know, and had a chat with everybody, that that's why this cast is the best cast I've ever been with as well. And I'm not just saying that, because we get on really well and it's fabulous. You know, we're all sort of big mates as well. So, uh, and that comes across on stage that we're it having does. fun. It does. It, it's such a fun show. Um, I urge anyone uh, to see it um, once this podcast is out. Uh, please do head over to the Epstein Theatre pages. There may be a few tickets you might be able to grab before the end of the run on the 24th of April. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. It's been fabulous. I've um, loved it. It's so nice chatting to you. You'll have to come again. I'd love to. Well, there's so much to delve into with your career, so it'd be nice well, to have another chat. Well, there's lots that I haven't even touched yet. <laughs> I know. You know but... Right, well, you're coming back. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hi again, it's Carly. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to find out more or get in touch, head over to teawithkingsandqueens.com.